The reading of the scripture today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the brothers and sisters who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles have also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men? And and eat with them. Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven. What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go to them, with them, and not make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had had fallen upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
I would like to introduce our guest preacher for today. We have just met today, but I've been reading about you for a week. Pastor Sonia, she is the author of Room at the Table, the history of people of color and the disciples of Christ, the denomination to which she is ordained, pre, I love this title, pre-post-racial America, spiritual stories from the front lines, again a publication, transforming communities, how people like you are healing their neighborhoods, and there are more, and it's her turn, not my turn. Welcome to First Press, please. Friends, it is such a gift to be with you all. It has been a while since I've been in this sanctuary, and I am grateful to get to worship with folks who I know are dedicated to both Christ and to justice. And so I am looking forward to being with you this week and next, especially since it's AAPI Heritage Month. So my sermon for today is AAPI Heritage Month, colon, Minority Report, and next week is the Majority Report, so stick around. Will you be with me in an attitude of prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Christ. I think I was about 20 years old the first time I had a really rigorous theological debate about LGBTQ inclusion in the church, and it was related to this passage. I was talking with some friends of mine, deeply faithful, beloved friends, very evangelical, who were explaining to me how homosexuality was a sin because Leviticus told us so. And I remember saying to them, you love bacon, you eat cheeseburgers. How is it that that's the part of Leviticus you follow and none of the rest of it? And they quoted this passage. Because Peter learned from God that we're allowed to eat all of the animals, they said. And that trumps Leviticus. So we're on safe grounds eating cheeseburgers and bacon, they explained to me with their superior biblical knowledge. It turns out there are a lot of people who think this passage is about eat what you want. And I think it's a strange interpretation of the text. I feel like they may have missed the point of the passage. Now, I don't know what you think it's about, but there are quite a few Christians who also think it is a passage simply about sharing the gospel with people who look different than us. It turns out that's not necessarily all it's about either. I've been making a commitment over the past few years to reading the Bible as if it were specifically written to oppressed people. Because it turns out the Bible was written explicitly 
to oppressed people. It wasn't written for people with privilege and power. It was written to people who were conquered over and over again to help them survive. That was true for the Jewish people throughout the Hebrew Bible. It was true for the Christians living under the Roman Empire. The Bible is saturated with wisdom on how to survive oppression. And that means when we have privilege and power, it's important, I believe, to read the Bible as people with the honor of getting to eavesdrop, getting to learn what it means to live with oppression so that where we have privilege, we can show up better. And in the places where we don't have privilege and power, whether that's around age or gender or orientation or class, it's a source of encouragement and challenge, like the passage today showed, to be bold anyhow. The thing that we sometimes miss in this passage, I think, is for Peter, non-Jews weren't just different than him. They weren't people he looked down on because they were other. They were the people who had power over him. The only non-Jews who were in Judea were people who had the power of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire that held his people in oppression. So when his friends are saying to him, how could you show up for the Gentiles like that? I don't think they were saying, ew, they're gross, they've got cooties. They were saying, they are trying to kill us. Are you stupid? I think it's important to realize as Jewish people dealt with taxation, with military force in their streets every day, the suppression of free speech, the desecration of their religious traditions just so that Rome could remind them who held all the power. This dream was actually asking a lot from Peter. I think it's good to remember that so we don't brush it off as a passage about how we should all get along, but that it reminds us what's being asked of us. And to be aware that where we have privilege, it is not something we get to tell people with less power than us that they have to do. There's a reason that message doesn't come from one of the centurions, it comes from God. I'm still haunted by the forgiveness extended by the people who lost family members at Mother Emmanuel AME Church. If you got to see the footage in the courtroom it was heartrending and it was powerful and it was inspiring. And I do find myself thinking that as moved as I was by that forgiveness, 
I wish there had also been repentance. I don't know if any of you have heard of a woman named Ava Moses Kaur. She was a survivor of the Holocaust. She was a twin, and Joseph Mengele, sometimes known as the Butcher of Auschwitz, loved to do experiments on twins. She went through horrific experiments that meant she was never fully physically healthy again, and her sister died in the camps. Well into her adulthood, she realized what an enlightening of spirit she got when she chose to forgive Joseph Mengele. Now, Mengele was long dead, and much like the murderer at Mother Emmanuel AME, too distorted to be able to seek forgiveness. She recognized she still experienced a connection with the divine through the process of forgiveness. And it freed her up to do a lot of work around Holocaust awareness and to help people learn that history so they wouldn't repeat it. This notion of being invited in the places where we do not have power to forgive, to love, to invite people into a different way of being, it is terrifying and it is unfair and it can be magical. And it's not an abstraction. It's not an abstraction when people of color continue to live in fear for our lives in this country, like our family in Buffalo who have just gone through a mass shooting targeted at black people. It's not an abstraction in a world where we have helped fund the arms that resulted in the death of Palestinian Christian journalist Shireen Abu Akleh this, this week. It's not an abstraction when we have invested so much in refugees from Ukraine who are suffering greatly, but we have invested in them and their stories at much greater rates than refugees from Afghanistan or Syria or other non-white countries with equally horrific violence that we are responsible for. It's not an abstraction, this passage. During this Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, when we remember the amazing and often ignored contributions of the AAPI community, but we are also reminded that those contributions are often ignored because our role in this country continues to be that of perpetual foreigner, no matter how long we have been here. Occasionally to be used as a wedge, and occasionally to be used as a threat to real Americans. This invitation that God gives us is not something any of us gets to expect of people with less power than us in a given situation. 
And in the places where God, where we do not have power, God is asking a lot of us to give the people who benefit from our oppression the benefit of the doubt, to give them the opportunity to be different, to live differently. The one thing that makes me feel not just awestruck and overwhelmed by what this passage asks of me is that it's also worth noting that when Peter shows up with folks who have power over him, he shows up as their equal. He actually shows up with something to offer them, letting them know, I just want to be real clear, you need me because I have God with me. In the process of offering folks another chance at a different way of being, he is actually inviting them into a lot of self-sacrifice because they'll have to walk away from all of that power to join him in this movement. And he's transforming the way relationships look. He doesn't go to them subservient. He doesn't go to them in fear. He goes to them full of power. And in the process, he creates a glimpse of heaven on earth. I don't know if you have heard of a guy named George Wallace. Martin Luther King once referred to him as the most dangerous racist in America. He was famous for standing on the steps of the state capitol where he was governor in the 1960s and saying segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. As if that wasn't scary enough, as if the force of the police on his side supporting his segregationist efforts wasn't enough, he ran for president. He ran for president in the same election that Shirley Chisholm, a black feminist, ran in. During that election, and some of you may remember this story, he was shot and ended up in the hospital near death. Shirley Chisholm left the campaign trail and went to his hospital room. She prayed with him, she loved on him, she told him it was time to change. When he came out of that hospital room, he spent the rest of his life advocating for racial justice. The man who had been described by Dr. King as the most dangerous racist in America. I feel like in that moment, Shirley Chisholm had heard God saying, go and give the people who have the power a chance to be different. And in that moment, she, like Peter, created a glimpse of heaven on earth. May we, in all of the places that we do not have power, walk into those spaces as if God is with us 
to carry the good news of a different way of being to those with the power. Amen.